good evening, guys. Man, isn't that good news, like what we just sang, the profound truth that that is, that we can lift our eyes up, because if you're like me, you tend to look down, and we kind of focus on our situation, circumstance, and and we get myopic in our view, but we're called out into this space to look up, and and we see that our Savior is, he's on the rescue, on his way to rescue. That's essentially what's, uh, what's true of us in the room tonight. And so that's so good to be reminded of that. I know it's good for me. Hopefully that's equally as encouraging to you. My name's Dave, uh, one of the pastors. Glad that you guys are all here in person tonight. And then for those of you guys joining us online, welcome. Uh, we've got about 55 minutes to cut. No, I'm just kidding. So uh, uh, I'll, I'll try to keep this concise. I say 24. It might be double. We'll see. Uh, if you have your Bible, go ahead and open up to Ephesians chapter 6. That's where we're going to spend uh, our, our time together. Like, just think of what has gone on. Like, here we are in 2020. All kinds of stuff has happened. And we jumped into the book of Ephesians back in August 18 uh, of 2019. That's when we started this entire journey in the book of Ephesians. Some of you may have been here. Some of you may just be joining us. But we have been in this book for 14 months. And so we have learned an incredible amount in this journey. It has been a great book to study. It was a letter that was circulated all throughout Asia Minor. It made its way around all these churches. It did make a stop in the city of Ephesus. Landed into the church there. They read it there. They studied it there. They applied it there. And so here it is by God's grace and mercy. A couple thousand years later, here we are getting to study the same truths because apparently what they needed to learn and generations have learned, we need to learn and grab hold of and actually go use it. And so that's what's going down here. Uh, We have learned stuff like we can put our hope in Christ, that we have been divinely placed by God for right here, right now, to uh, uh, to do good works that he planned way back before we ever faced anything that this year would bring. We are here on purpose for a reason to accomplish his plans and purposes So we've learned that. We've learned about unity. We've learned about holiness. We've learned about all kinds of relational dynamics for 14 months. We've studied. We've dug in. We've learned. We've applied. And we've been challenged. And then now we're kind of on that home stretch. We've kind of entered into Ephesians 6, the last of it. And it's like you can start to see the finish line. The finish line is at the end of this month. And, and so we'll be done with this, this letter that Paul wrote, and, and we've learned so much in it. It's become like, a, like a, a blanket for us. It's like, oh, it's Ephesians, you know. We get to walk with that and hold it and love it and, and extract all that we can out of it. And tonight, we're going to cover a few verses that send us on down that final stretch towards the finish line so that we can absorb all that God has for us. So we're going to jump into Ephesians chapter 6. It's going to be awesome. And, and there's some verses today that kind of feel like they come out of nowhere. They come out of It's like, whoa, what just happened here? Because it seems so very different from where Paul was. And then as it begins to transpire, you're like, wow, this is weird, really weird in regards to where we've been. So let's dive in. And as we go there, remember, we've talked about all kinds of relational dynamics. We've talked about marriage. We talked about parenting. We've talked about, uh, you know, other relationships that aren't so equitable. How does that flow? How does the gospel speak into that? How does that affect us? And then how do we go and, and be light and life to the world? So that's where it ended. And then, boom, he, he launches into chapter 6, verse 10. 
Finally, so there it is, the, the last stretch. We're rounding the corner. There's the finish line. So finally, he's kind of wrapping everything up. He says this, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. So we had been in fifth gear and then it's like, you know, and you're like, whoa, where did this come from? It, it, It kind of feels a little out of place, doesn't it? Like relational dynamic, relational dynamic, relational dynamic, and then wham, hey, you're in a spiritual battle. You need to be aware of it. Like how did that show up on the radar? It feels a little bit odd. But this tie reminds us, because if we go back, like if you want to, if you have your Bible with you, you could go back to chapter 3, verse 10, and what does it say? So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to who? To the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. So it's this space where we have been called to display the manifold wisdom of God, certainly to each other. Like we have that responsibility to to take the gospel, rightly apply it, and then live that out in life. That's, That's our calling to be ambassadors of the gospel. And so I live that out to you. You live that out to me. We learn from each other in community. So we're called to display God in those spaces. But we're also called to display the gospel, the manifold wisdom of God, all that he is up to, to the heavenly realms. That that they're peering over and they're like, whoa, what's going on down there? Like, look at them. They are living out the gospel. Look what God is doing in and through them. They're displaying his power, his plans, his purposes. All of those things are on display. They're doing it like, whoa, this is amazing. And it's speaking volumes to the spiritual world. So, and and we're we're reminded here that, that this battle that is going on, raging all around us, and I'll talk a little bit more about that in a sec, but, but this battle that's going on, it's, it's not about you versus them and them versus them and us and, you know, and all the stuff that goes on outside the walls here where you're like, ah, my roommate or, oh, my parents or this relationship with my neighbor or whatever. This, this battle is not between human to human, even though from time to time we just came out of that, right? Like in the marriage realm. For those of us who are married, you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, it can be a little bit of a battle. Like there's some things I want and some things that my wife wants or vice versa. And you're like, uh, there's some grind there sometimes where you're like, oh, this is hard. Or the parent-child relationship. I mean, unless you're like the perfect child or the perfect parent, there's all kinds of rub going on there. And then in relationships in all kinds of spaces where things aren't always equitable, there's some grind there, right? So we tend to think, oh, it's, it's, I got to fix them and they got to fix that and they got to get this right. But it's not against flesh and blood. There is a battle going on that is so much more. It's not about here and there. It's this hideous mess that happens in this in-between space. Because here's what we often don't uh, think about. If you're like me, you don't think about this in terms of like, there's this spiritual world that's over here. It's going on over, like, there's a spiritual world where the angelic is. It's where God dwells. There's Satan, demons, all kinds of stuff that we don't see. 
And so if you're a student of the Bible, you're like, oh, yeah, 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 that's in there. I don't understand it, but I know it's there. But then there's this other world that's over here, which is the natural world, which is the world we're very familiar with. It's life here on planet Earth, what we've grown up, what we've known, everything about life, we get that. But we tend to think like, okay, the spiritual world is on this trajectory. The natural world is over here on this trajectory, but they don't really play together. It's like two separate stories. God's got his foot in each space, but I don't know how they fit together. But here's what goes on, right? Like when you start to look at how scripture displays them, both in the Old Testament stories and the New Testament era, like in this space, it's not like there's this story of the spiritual world and the natural world happening and they're separate from each other, but rather there's this crossover where the spiritual world crosses over into the natural world. And in this in-between spot is where all kinds of crazy goes on. I mean, when the, when the wheels are falling off the bus, it's in that space where there's all kinds of battle, all kinds of struggle, all kinds of confusion, because it's, it's the spiritual world interacting with the natural world, and there's, there's stuff going on in that crossover. And we're being informed right here in Ephesians 6, this is in fact true. And this space in here is one of the most mysterious, one of the most unknown, one of the most forgotten spaces that we often deal with. And so we have Paul bringing our our attention back to it. And so for the Ephesians, though, when they would have had somebody come, the letter would have come. It's like, hey, we got a letter from Paul. And then they get together, gather together, and somebody read that letter. When they got to this section, the Ephesians would have perked up and they would have gone, hmm, all right. I get it here because remember, in Ephesus, we have this major port city. Like this is a major city back in the day and all kinds of people poured in for trade. But they didn't just come for trade either because one of the seven wonders of the world back in the ancient days was right there in Ephesus. It was the temple of Artemis or Diana. And so this was one of the major pit stops for all people religious to come and pour in. So you had all of these people with different religious ideologies, philosophies. And so they would come together in this city. All throughout the city, you had these people had their their little marketplace and they were selling what? Little trinkets, little idols of Diana or or Artemis. So they're selling that, making a living. So highly spiritual uh, people coming into this space. And so when Paul launches out like, hey, finally be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. There's cosmic forces, all kinds of stuff going on in the spiritual realm. When it crosses over into the natural realm, there's stuff going on. So when this came out, they would have gone, "Mm mm-hmm, oh yeah, there is. We know that. And here's how they know that. Because look what was going on back in Ephesus about 2,000 years ago. If you want to flip with me, you can. But man, this is one of my favorite parts of the the Bible. And so uh, you'll see why in just a sec. So you you have uh, in Acts chapter 19... Paul arriving in Ephesus. And so all of these things start going down. And starting in verse 11, look at what happens. So this would have been things that the people in Ephesus would have known. Verse 11, and God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul. So that even handkerchiefs or aprons that had touched his skin were carried away to the sick. And their diseases left them. And check this out. And the evil spirits came out of them. So they would have remembered this. They would have known. They would have gone, oh, yeah, remember back when he showed up? 
God is doing extraordinary miracles through Paul. It's like, hey, you can have my shirt. They take the shirt into a room and boom, all of a sudden these people were healed. But it wasn't just a healing. There were evil spirits involved. There was something associated with the supernatural spiritual realm here where it crossed over into the natural realm. That's what's going on. I'm not making it up. It's right there. We just read it, right? This is what's going down. And, and so this is a very real piece of the pie, but it doesn't stop there. If there was a YouTube channel that we could subscribe to that would be like, man, I would like to see that play out. This is one of the things that I would absolutely love to watch. It's like, can we get like 4K footage on YouTube of this next story? So look what comes out. Verse 13, some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists undertook to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, I adjure you by the Jesus whom Paul proclaimed. So these Jewish people heard about what Paul was doing, and they're like, hey, maybe we can get in the game. Let's go out there. And I'm telling you, they'd show up in a room. Hey, by the name of Jesus, we call you out. And apparently, there was some movement there. How do we know that? Look what happens next. Seven sons of a Jewish high priest named Sceva We're doing this. But the evil spirit answered them, Jesus, I know, and Paul, I recognize, but who are you? Now, I don't know about you, but if you're rolling into a room where there's a guy possessed by some evil spirit, and you're like, by the name of Jesus, we call you out. And then that demon speaks back to you, "Uh, Jesus, we know. Paul, we've heard of, not really sure who you are. That's not the space you want to be in, right? You're like, "Uh uh-oh, you know, but there's seven of us. This could still go well. Let's see how it rolled. And the man in whom was the evil spirit leaped on them, mastered all of them and overpowered them so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. Now, I had my fair share of tussles when I was a youngster there, all right? I never got beat so bad that I left bloodied and unclothed. You know you got taken down when you run away from the fight naked, all right? Like, you know that, like, but I'm telling you, that would be great video footage. I don't know about you guys, but it'd be like, guys go into the house, call out the demon, the demon. One guy beats the tar out of seven guys so badly, they run home without clothes, that's funny. I'm sorry. Like, that's just hilarious. Like you, yeah, I mean, this, that's crazy, right? But that's what's going on right here. This is stuff that was going on. This is the space where heaven, the, the spiritual realm overlaps the natural realm. This is where there are some stuff going on. There's some good things going on. There's some crazy stuff going on. And, and so we see some things get out of order really, really quick. When that happens, but here's why I bring this up in our Western culture, whether it's outside the walls of the church, certainly this is is the case, but sometimes I think maybe the outside the church gets it better than we do inside the walls of the church, because sometimes we don't want to take a step into this because it's a little bit different. It's a little bit unknown and the things that we can't see or the things that we can't explain, we tend to back away from a little bit. And we're like, I don't know about that. And I don't want to be labeled. So we find ourselves uh, in, in one of several camps. 
One of the camps might be the space where the majority of people that I think fall in line with evangelical churches in our our Western world would fall into this camp. Most of the people that I think we would bump into would be in a space where when you hear stuff about what we've read here in Ephesians chapter 6, and you read about stuff like in Acts chapter 19, most people hear that, and, and we read that, it makes us a little bit uncomfortable, and because we can't see it, because we can't touch it, because we can't explain it, we, we tend to back away, and what happens is we tend to go with it like this. It's like, well, yeah, there's a medical issue here, but medicine can fix that. Or there's this behavioral thing going on over here. So A plus B certainly would be this. It makes sense that that would happen. You know, all kinds of things like that. It's like the spiritual realm doesn't even exist. A lot of us live in that space a lot of times. We're like, yeah, I know the Bible talks about it, but I don't really see much of it. So maybe that was a thing just back in the day. And so we don't have to worry about it now. But then there's the other side of the coin where this would be another camp where there's people around that there's like a demon behind every rock, right? We've, we've seen some of that go down where it's like somebody gets, it's just like everywhere you go, everything that happens, it's rough. It's like, oh, that's the enemy. That's the enemy. And you can see people like they wake up and they're like, oh man, I woke up late and I, and I got to work and I got a flat tire. And then I went to pay for, uh, uh, for lunch and, and I had put a $20 bill in my pocket to pay for lunch. But then, man, you know, I wasn't there when I went to go pay for lunch. Man, Satan is after me over time today. Like, you know, I'm taking a beating. Have you met people like that or heard stories like that? You're like, or could it be you forgot to set your alarm? You ran over a nail and you put your keys in your pocket. And when you took them out, your money fell out. And that's what happened. That it doesn't have anything to do with spiritual things. It's just things happen, right? But there are people that are like, everything that's going on, it's like, yep, it's spiritual. So you have one side of the coin where it's just like, ah, maybe there's not so much going on now. Then you have another side that's like, oh, everything is it. And then there's some of us that are in the middle. We're in this other camp where we're like, I know stuff happens, but maybe it has to be like super evil. And then I'm not so sure about that. Like that doesn't make sense. And so we're a little skeptical. We're a little confused. We're not really sure which way to go. Here's the reality though. I I think in our culture, especially what we have been conditioned to think is in a very binary way. It's either this or that. And we don't think in terms of both and. We're not very good at that, right? But here's what we have. We have this spiritual world over here where there are all kinds of supernatural things going on. And then we have this other story going on, the natural world happening concurrently, the same story that God is in charge of. But those two spaces overlap. And that is the space, that's the both It's happening, and and it's happening together, and there's this space that we need to be aware of. And Paul wrote this section here in Ephesians 6, and, and writing this letter that when the Ephesians would have read it, they would have gone, all right, I get this, this makes sense, and it was challenging to them, and so God saw fit to make sure that they got that. It was instructive to them, it was informational for them, it was transformative for them, and it ought be the same for us today. It's not just like, wow, I hope they learned something. This should make its way to us today because see what was written to inform them, their need for the armor, their need for understanding that there is a battle, that when that spiritual realm overlaps the natural realm in that in-between space, there is a cosmic 
battle going on. And you and I are caught right in the middle of it. We are in that crossfire. And that's where we get to make the gospel known to others. It's known to us and we get to see the power and purposes of God prevail. So let's head back to Ephesians 6. So we've seen now like this is would bring context, like some of the things that happened in Ephesus. Paul's writing this as we get down the home stretch. And, and I want us to look at verses 10 and 11 really quickly and unpack just a couple things. Because in there we get two commands. Very clear commands. They're not helpful suggestions, but rather biblical commands that he engages in to actually help us navigate this space. The first one says this. Verse 10 says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And then the second command is this, put on the whole armor of God. And make your stand against the schemes of the devil. So let's, let's unpack those really quickly as we begin to just kind of make our way into next week when we're going to talk about some of those weapons that we are furnished that are not of this world that actually help us in this in-between space navigate things so that God is glorified in the way that we live. We are great ambassadors for the sake of the gospel as we begin to do ministry both in our families, in our workplaces, uh, in, in other people that we know, like friends, neighbors, whatever. And then in every space that we're in, we bring honor to God. So number one, it says here, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. And so I, I want to launch out a question that I just want you to think, for, uh, think about just for a second. And, and that question is, where do you feel strong right now? Like, is there an area in your life you're like, oh, I feel like I've got it going right here. Like, I'm bringing my spiritual A game here. Like, everything's rolling here. Like, where is an area in your life that you feel strong? Now, you may be going, like, I don't know if there is one right now. Like, I'm dazed, I'm confused, I'm, I'm frustrated, I'm angry. And if that's the case, man, just know that that's a space that certainly where the supernatural and the natural come, that kind of feeling where it's just like, I don't know where to turn, I don't know what to do, I don't know where to go, that kind of confusion certainly would be a tactic of an enemy who does not want us to run to God. And I'll talk a little bit more about that in a sec. But do you feel strong relationally? Maybe you're in here, you're like, man, I've got some good community around me. I've got people that know and love Jesus around me. We're rowing in the direction of Jesus, like regularly challenging each other, encouraging each other, praying for each other. Like, man, I'm strong relationally. Is that you? Or maybe financially, maybe you made some moves before everything went to the, to the, to the, the, the south. You know, it's like, oh, I caught myself, you know, <laughs> but like you, you know what I mean? Like you made some moves and you're like, wow, it actually is going well for me. Like there are some things that are like you may be in that space and you may feel strong there or maybe it's theologically. Maybe you're in your D group and you're mowing through books of the Bible like a wood chipper. You're like in visions, you know, like we're in Deuteronomy, whatever it is. Like, are you feeling strong theologically wherever it is? Where do you feel strong? Because here's what I want to caution us with. Now, whatever we're feeling strong in, here we are, is encouraged to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. But one of the tendencies that I think we have, at least I know I do, maybe you can relate to this, but what I find myself doing is when I feel strong in an area, I don't find myself in a space of desperation where I need to lean into God. So it's easy for me to feel like I've got it covered. 
This is an area that's going good. I'll just focus on the things that aren't going so good. And I'll let, talk to God about that. Lean into my relationship with him there. But this stuff is going strong. This stuff is good. I don't tend to lean into God in those spaces as much as I do in my spaces of need. And so in the spaces that we're least likely to lean into him, that's the space where the enemy can come in and cause all kinds of difficulty. All kinds of space. It's in that in-between world again, where it's like uh, we, we can live in such a way where we do not find ourselves strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Because check this out. You and I cannot be strong in ourselves and in him simultaneously. Doesn't work. Because God does not share his glory with anyone ever. Now, when we have the opportunity to lean into him, which we're instructed to do here, to be in his power, in in the strength of his might, man, that's what we're called to do. So that's what we need to spend some time like assessing, digging in, trying to understand what that looks like. What does that mean? How do we do that? So we're told that, like be strong in the Lord, in the power of his might. Abide in Jesus. Keep in step with the Spirit. Walk in a manner worthy of the gospel. Those kinds of things that, that we begin to do that in community. Where we have personal time with God. That begins to flow into community. And then from there we see where he is working and we join him in that space. So that's where we're strong in him. Not on our own. Because if we think that we're going into the spiritual realm and it's like, all right. Like, here's what I'm up to, Jesus. Like, here's what I've got. Like, I'm doing this for you, and I'm going to go over here, and I'm going to engage in some spiritual stuff. Come join me. Then you'll end up like the seven sons of Sceva. You'll get mastered because the space over here in the spiritual realm, everyone and everything in it is more powerful than we are. We have zero chance of winning in that space. Zero, none, zip, zilch. We will not ever win if we go in thinking we're going to do stuff and then Jesus joins us. Doesn't work that way. But when we go with him in this, in this power of his strength and might, when we join him in his work and we're going out and after it that way, that's where we see victory. That's where we see movement. That's where we actually get to see some incredible things go down. And so we, we dig into that just a bit. And I would encourage you to talk about that in your D groups. Talk about that, uh, you know, afterwards as you go grab something to eat or something. But, but that's the first command right there. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Don't think that you've got it in your spiritual tank, that you've got enough, uh, uh, enough juice in there to take care of what is going on over here in the spiritual realm or even in the small overlap space. You don't. We don't. We're not called into that space. God does not say, you go out there and see how it works, and then I'll help you where you need help. You know, I'll step in when, you, when, you kind of, when things get a little bit wonky. No, no, no. We're not called. Be strong in the Lord, his might. And then right on the heels of that command is the second imperative. The second imperative, that we put on the whole armor of God so that we can be, uh, be aware of the schemes of the enemy. Now, that word schemes is a great word. When I was studying this week on this, the word schemes, it, it literally means to stalk. And that ought to cause you to just be like, what? What's going on? The enemy of God is stalking you and me. 
That ought to bring us back to those, you know, moments when we watched National Geographic or, you know, Discovery Channel where the, the lion or, you know, whatever's in the bushes and they're, they're, fully, uh, uh, they're, they're fully covered, they can't be seen, and they're waiting for that one piece of prey to get isolated so that just at the right moment they can take them down. That's what's going on. We are being tracked by an enemy that's just waiting for the right moment to take us down. The schemes of the devil. And this flows out of what Peter talked about, where our enemy is prowling around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. And, and, and if we continue uh, down that way, man, we see that he is careful, he is crafty, he is tactical, he's a very old adversary. He's been around the block and back. And according to Ephesians 4.27, we can live in a way that actually gives him a foothold in our lives. We can do that. Like we can give him space to kind of set up camp in our world because of the way that we live. And so since we're being stalked, we can't be ignorant of who he is and what he's up to. And I came across this uh, article on Desiring God. Uh, John Bloom uh, had written this. He's a pastor and author, and he said this. So we're not going to go on to some big discourse of Satanology or anything like that. But check this out. See if this does not wake you up to what's going on. He wrote this. He said, the New Testament authors wrote with a profound awareness of the cosmic war they were involved in. They determined to, quote, not be outwitted by Satan, for they were not ignorant of his designs. And that comes out of 2 Corinthians 2.11. The devil and his angels, Matthew 25.41, factored prominently in Jesus' life teaching and miracles. From his temptation in the wilderness at the beginning of his ministry, Matthew 4, 1 through 11, to the events surrounding his crucifixion, John 13, 27, Satan and his forces were an ever-present reality. Jesus taught that demons actively enslave people, Luke 13, 16, actively seek to gain influence over religious leaders and institutions, John 8, 44, actively oppose and seek to undermine and corrupt gospel work. Luke 8, 12. He also taught that Satan understands his massive influence in the world as his kingdom. That comes out of Luke eleven seventeen 17, and 18. When Jesus' closest disciples described his miraculous ministry, they said in Acts 10, 38, he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. When Jesus commissioned his early apostolic leaders, he sent them into a world of unbelievers. And Acts 26, 18 says this, to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light from the power of Satan to God. They were repeatedly warned as Christians to be sober-minded, watchful, because as 1 Peter 5, 8, your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. They did not want us to be ignorant of Satan's designs. The question we need to ask ourselves, especially we Christians in the West, is this. Are we ignorant of Satan's designs? Oh, this is no joke. We're not talking about like, you know, like this, the way that the, the, the culture has led us to believe this space where there's the spiritual realm over here and there's this cosmic war with the enemy of God and God and there's this teeter-tottering going on there where sometimes God's winning and, oh no, it looks like the enemy's got a upper hand and then, oh, God fought back, he's, he's winning again. Like, I hope it all evens out and it gets okay. Like, how's this all gonna end? I'll tell you how it ends. God already won. Victory is ours. It's done. There is no more fight as far as who's going to win. We're not fighting for victory, but from it. 
And we get to join him in that work. But that spiritual realm that's over here, there is still a very real battle going on that wants to take us out. And we, we just have to take uh, note of that. Because think about, like as you think about the narrative of scripture, what happens when the spiritual world shows up in the natural world? Like every time an angel showed up, what happened? People flip out, right? They're like, ah, you know, and they drop down to the ground and they're like, no, go away, go away. You know, so those are the good ones. Those are the ones that are there to help. So imagine what it looks like when the minions who joined Lucifer to overthrow God show up. These are the ones that are described as evil. They're not there to help. John 10 says that they have come to steal, kill, and destroy. They're not there to dissuade you, not there to distract you, not there to make you feel bummed. It's destruction that they're after. Complete, utter destruction. That's the spiritual realm over here where the enemy is coming in and they're, they're wicked, they're evil, they're vile, they're angry. And then on the word there, in the words here that we have in Ephesians 6, Paul tells us to stand and fight. How's that gonna work? Do you feel a little overwhelmed? You're like, oh, great. Well, if it's that powerful, if, if, if the fight is like, I don't wanna end up like the seven sons of Sceva. I don't wanna get mastered. I don't wanna get beat and vulnerable. Like, I, that's not, I don't want that. So what are we supposed to do with that? How do we stand and fight? How do we make this something that uh, is actually redemptive? How in the world's that gonna happen? Our play is this. Number one, we recognize that there is a spiritual realm overlapping the natural realm. We just come awake to that. Like we get an, an idea that Paul has brought this into our purview for a reason. God has let us know this for a reason. And, and, and I know some of us right now, we're like, <laughs> you know, like some of us are like, yeah, let's do this. Let's get into the fight. Let's get after it. Let me know what I need to do to hold the line, to bring whatever, you know, bring against whatever Satan has. Like I'm ready. Some of us are like, all right, Dave, lighten up. Like Halloween was yesterday, enough of the spooky stuff. You know what I mean? Like, can we just move on from here? You know, because a lot of times we get in this space and you're like, I don't know if I want to take that deep of a step into this whole thing. You know, it's like, goo, goo, goo. you know, you're like, uh-uh, I don't want to be in that camp. But again, don't think binary. Now, I, I think we have been given this opportunity to understand there is a very real spiritual realm over here. And we live in the natural realm. And there is, there is a story that is unfolding where there, there is work that God is doing. And we're right here in that middle crossover space. And we're trying to figure out how to navigate this. But here's where we get to do. Here's our play. We prepare for that battle daily by being strong in the Lord. We spend time in spiritual dis disciplines. We sp spend time in community. We, we do things that will help us in that journey, not so that, not so that God will love us. Because a lot of us like to check boxes. I, I prayed, read my Bible, rem uh, memorized some verses, fasted. You know, I, I went to my group. I did, I went to church, everything like there. Does this show you, God, that I, it does not earn us extra points with God. Those are things that help us to walk with him in intimacy. That's what they're there for. It's not a performance. It's an opportunity to walk with God. He affords us that opportunity to come in close. He does not lead from afar. He leads us and he invites us to walk with him. That's what it means in Galatians 5, to walk in step with the spirit. 
to journey with him, knowing that he is not far and away removed and just dictating rules and regulations that we're to follow to show that we care. But he invites us into this dynamic relationship where we abide in him and we walk in intimacy with him and he reveals his plans. He reveals his purposes. He goes into battle, leading us there and invites us to join him. And and we get to experience great things as he draws men, women, and children to himself. And I don't know about you, but when I think of that, is there anything better that we can invest our one and only life in? To impact people for eternity, to go into battle with our great savior and leader, Jesus, who has already won. So we don't need to fear the spiritual. And we also don't need to think everything's about it. But where the spiritual overlaps, we're not invited to go into that space and think, man, it's up to me. I'm, I'm gonna go and I'm gonna you know, tussle with the enemy. Here it goes. No, we have been called to walk with Jesus in faith and then out of that intimacy, man, we're gonna join him in his work. He's gonna be glorified. We're gonna find incredible joy in that. There's gonna be a lot of bumps, a lot of bruises, but it is worth the energy. It is worth the effort because it matters for eternity and it makes much of Jesus. And any time we can be a part of that, it's gonna be a great day, right? So you wanna know how to do that well? Anybody in here is like, I want in. Sign me up. I want in on that. Then come back next week because we're going to talk about the armor of God. We, we need to know what we need to suit up with. Don't you want to know what you need to put on to go into that battle and know that God is calling you to follow him in? To, to uh, experience grand, eternal, beyond anything that your life could ever matter for, but you're joining him in his work, so much will be made of him. We'll be forgotten. Like my great-grandkids, they won't even know who I am. I don't remember my great-great-grandfather's name, but I know Jesus' name because he makes it from generation to generation to generation because we need to make much of him. So let's do that in a way that honors him, lifts him high, that generations may know the great and mighty Savior that we serve. Amen? All right, let's pray. God, you are up to a whole lot more than I think we've ever given you credit for. And we know that there's something going on over here in the spiritual now. Thank you for writing that down, Spirit of God, uh, and prompting Paul to write this so that we could be challenged by this space here in 2020. You knew that we would be here tonight. You knew that there are all kinds of things in our world just kind of going haywire. But God, you have called us to join you in the battle. What a, a great privilege. What a great calling. What a great um, the story that you are writing, that you are doing a great work and you are calling us into it, that our lives can matter for things that matter forever to make much of you. That's what we want. And we recognize we're woefully underprepared to do that. We, we know that we can't go against the forces of evil, the, the cosmic authorities. We've seen in the Old Testament, uh, like in Job, what can happen uh, when the supernatural interacts with the natural. But we've also seen that you have conquered Satan, sin, death, and hell. And all things are under your authority. 
And so we come to you in worship and we thank you for revealing truth to us. And now as we get ready to to sing and to worship, just remind us yet again of your love. Remind us yet again of who you are. Remind us yet again of what we've been invited to. Remind us yet again of, of just how incredible the journey that you have called us into is. That we get to follow you into battle. We get to make much of you the victor, the, the one who has already won. It is our privilege to walk with you wherever you call us, whenever you call us, however you call us. We are yours, Jesus. This is all for you. It is about you. And we want to give ourselves more wholly to you. So would you help us in that journey? Would you call us into spaces of intimacy? Would you make the Bible come alive to us? Give us a hunger like we've never seen. Let it prepare us for what is before us. Put community around us that will encourage us towards what is right, good, excellent, and praiseworthy. That we think about those things as your word calls us to. That we would be invited into spiritual disciplines to prepare for that battle, knowing that it's there. We live in that overlap space where the supernatural intersects the natural and we want to be ready. God, help us to absorb all that we can out of your word so that we are equipped and, and, and prepared for everything that you have for us. We trust you. We love you. And we thank you for the power that you wield. And you work it in us and through us to accomplish your purposes. And we are glad we're on your side. And where we are not, would you make us aware so that we don't miss out on leveraging our one and only life for your great glory. And it's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.